How are you today? I'm Wallace Chapman. Samoan Language Week. Welcome to the panel RNZ National. Today, most red sticket locals in Mudawai, Auckland are choosing not to pay their rates due tomorrow. That on the panel right after four. Waka Kotahi has consulting on his bilingual traffic signs program. National Simeon Brown says, We all speak English. They should all be English. We discuss Professor Ella Henry with us on that. And if you are flying on Air New Zealand today, don't be surprised if I ask you to hop on the scales first. It's voluntary. You won't see the results. Scales will be, <laughs> that's right, so outside the entrance. Would you hop on today? It's a scary prospect. <laughs> and Labour promises to keep superannuation at the age of 65, a decade after pushing to increase it in the UK. They're looking at a phased retirement to the age of 68. It's 66 right now. So let me ask you a question today. Let's do a snap panel poll. Do you want to see the retirement age increase to 67 in Aotearoa? Why? Why not? Text me. two one. Zero one. With me today, as you just heard, Sue Bradford there, community-based activist, former Green MP. Kia ora, Sue. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, it's great Dean. to have you here. And also with us, Dean Hall, video game designer, CEO of Rocketworks. Dean, kia ora. Kia ora. i got to ask you, Sue, while Dean's with us, ever played a video game, what was your favourite? Uh, I've played games like Civilization. Civilization. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> Fantastic. Still a very popular game. Can you remember which leader you played? <laughs> oh, I played a few of them. <laughs> got it, got it. Oh, my, the, no, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> definitely. Breaking news, history. Sue Bradford, mm-hmm. fan of civilization. Mm-hmm. It was a good, good game, Dean. Great game. Still is. Still mm-hmm. is. Now, uh, to this uh, first up. Referee bias has been a bit of a topic recently. Jason Paris, head of the company that sponsors the New Zealand Warriors NRL team, complained recently about Australian referee bias after the Warriors' defeat to Penrith when two New Zealand players were sinbined in contentious fashion. Uh, he called it cheating of the highest order. That infuriated the NRL. But a recent article makes a point whether it's worth asking if it's even possible for referees to operate without being unconsciously influenced by factors beyond their immediate control. With us is Tim Dare, Professor of Philosophy at Auckland University. He was the co-author of the article in the conversation with Justine Kingsbury. Uh, Professor Dare, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Interesting article, this one. And Jason Paris, he walked it back a bit, pointing to an ongoing bias against the Warriors. Perhaps there is more to this than time-honoured trans-Tasman rivalry. Um, that, that's right. So I think uh, it's just inevitable that referees are biased for the, the simple reason that we all are. Um, and it's tougher for them because they're making quick decisions in, in tough conditions. Um, I suspect that um, teams like the All Blacks, for instance, often benefit from this because I think referees are likely to see what they expect. And so if they expect a team to do well or a player to pull off some wonderful play, then it's very likely that that's what they will see. Hang on. You're, in a sense, saying that dominant teams and players tend to have calls go their way? Well, one of the things that drives this sort of bias um, are the expectations that people making the judgments already have. So, so one name for this is confirmation bias. 
So if you have a set of beliefs, you expect something to happen, then you see the evidence, um, no matter how clear it is, you interpret the evidence to confirm your pre-existing belief. So I think dominant teams do have have um, an advantage, do do get the advantage of this kind of bias, yeah. Quite interesting subject, isn't it, Sue, when you, when you think of unconscious bias being a topic across various other sectors? Oh, well, I think it's everywhere, of course, but um, I'm the wrong person to ask about referees. I, <laughs> I spend my, what little time I spend watching sports having someone explain the rules, much less what's yeah. going wrong with the refereeing. Dean. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, interesting, we actually use, uh, the article talks about heuristics. We actually use heuristics and bias making video games to help us with things like pathfinding and that. Really? But, but I know from a leadership perspective, realising that everyone has bias and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, sorry, you, you need to accept that fact and then look at building in ways to be able to deal with that bias. So we try and have a lot of checks and balances. I know, you know, trying to run the company. Yeah. Is that right? Well, because I have my perspective and that flows into everything that I do and everything that I see and all the information I'm getting. So I'm trying to break those those down as much well, before as we go can. back to Tim, do you agree with that, Sue? Yeah, well, it's in politics as well. If, if we're trying to be honourable treaty par- partners as Pākehā Tauiwi, we have to always be thinking about white privilege. Like, what have I got that's um, shifting my opinion in a way that, that um, I'm not understanding what's happening for tangata whenua? So that's a constant, um, and that applies across politics, actually, to have the consciousness, OK, what's this doing for the earth, for the planet? Where's my bias in that as a human in relation to the natural world around me? Do you me? want to respond to this, Tim? Um, well, so, so a couple of things. I think Dean's right. So one thing, one thing we can try and do is build things into our processes to try and, and, and counter bias. And sometimes, of course, as he points out, you might try and take advantage of it. So things like third referees and so on. And, of course, Sue's right. So we're talking about sports where bias is really a bit of a hoot. I mean, you know, um, sports matters, but it's not life and death. But, yeah. but of course, we do see this um, um, across the board. Um, um, our unconscious bias, our expectations, our, the things that we, we, we go into situations already believing will affect the judgments we make. So, so, so while we're talking about referee bias, just because it was raised by the Paris comment, yeah. um, dead right, but this will come up in more serious contexts. Yeah, uh, I mean, none of this would be news to referees, though, surely, Professor Deer. Uh, they would surely get training to address what might some, what might many might see as a, a, a sort of unconscious bias. Well, so, so I expect so. Though one of the things which sort of prompted the the article was someone saying that even unconscious bias was it, it was preposterous to attribute this to referees. Now, I, I like you, I'd be very surprised if. Um, if referees don't receive training, so I sit occasionally as a referee on, you know, grant funding boards. Yes, um, uh, uh, we certainly get trained on unconscious bias. Oh. The, the problem is that the training can't do very much. So it can make you aware of it, and it can lead an organisation to put in place some guardrails. But you're not going to be able to eliminate it. The best, the, with the best will in the world, we can't get this out of our reasoning. Uh, when you think about it like this, so it's a much more significant. It's a pretty significant issue, isn't it? We're going very deeply into philosophy. No wonder with, <laughs> with our guest <laughs> straight off the bat. <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, the, our whole life's um, education experience for existence um, affects all our decisions, and we're all value laden, whether we know it or not. Value laden is mm. that perhaps another way to 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 to, to put a lens on it, uh, Tim? 
Well, well it is. The, the, the heuristics are fascinating. It just, um, you know, we're, we have a lot of confidence in our decision-making ability to assess evidence and so on. And the deeper you get into these heuristics, these, these short reasoning shortcuts we use, um, like confirmation bias or availability or various other ones, the, the less confidence we should have in our capacity to make these judgments reliably w- without a lot of help. Well, it's very interesting to have you on uh, the programme, Tom Kiota. Thank you very much uh, for your time. Thank you. Nice to speak to you all. Yeah, that's uh, Professor Tim Dare. He is a professor of philosophy at the University of Auckland. Interesting hearing you apply that to gaming there, Dean. It's very much an issue in, uh, in, in, in your industry. Yeah, uh, well, um, I actually read a Harvard Business article review that was talking about uh, a study done on really good leaders are able to hold two opposing viewpoints. So I think when it, whenever I start feeling strongly about something, especially if it's an emotive reaction, I start to question it and look for people who can help me question it. And I think that that was what you were touching on. I think sometimes people, they right. they hear something and they're like, oh, that doesn't fit within my viewpoint. That to me is a signal. Hey, do I have enough information here? Does my personal experience allow me to understand what this person's telling me? Why am I having such a physical reaction? I wish more people yeah. asked that question. Very good. Or uh, such a response regarding our SNAP panel poll this afternoon. Raise the retirement age to 67, yes or no, why or why not? Talofa Wallace kept the retirement age 65 years old because the people who most need to retire, manual labour, outdoors and all weathers, the sooner they can retire, the better. After tie lava, says Michael on Waiheke. No increase, no increase in super. I'm 48. It'll add on two years. My generation paid compound interest on student loans. I still have mine. No tax cuts. I don't want them. Uh, dear panel, the retirement age, unsustainable right now. It was never intended to cope with our increased life expectancy. This combined with the falling ratio of working people to retirees will also make it even more unaffordable. So lots on that, and I can't wait to discuss it with Sue Bradford and Dean Hoare just after 4.30. All right, uh, it is time for I've Been Thinking. Sue Bradford, your IBT. Uh, Kia ora. I've been thinking about several recent events which have really highlighted for me a deep institutional culture of disdain which still impacts so many low and no income people. Ever since the Loafers Lodge tragedy, that name Loafers has really been sticking in my craw. Using that word casts patronising disrespect on anyone and everyone who ever stayed there and whoever dreamed it up should be ashamed of themselves. Then we had the incident reported this week at the Hornby Work and Income where a staff member thought it was a joke to bring a fake bag of meth into a morning tea, which was supposed to be celebrating diversity. And while Emmy steers backpedalling as fast as they can on it, uh, many staff and beneficiaries know that, in fact, the reality is still there, that attitude of us versus them and we're better than they are. That's always been there and, and we work in income and its predecessors. And we need an attitude change, seriously. And I'm waiting with bated breath but not a lot of hope to see how many politicians in the election this year will actually seriously commit to the needed transformation to our welfare and housing situation. Yeah, we discussed that uh, yesterday. We might, uh, we're might we going to be touching on it uh, at 10 to 5 this afternoon. Uh, yes, big, um, really interesting, uh, I've been thinking there. The Loafers Lodge thing, you would have been following it across with many, many, it's, it's as many have expressed, 
a horrific tragedy that happened there. Yeah, it, it epitomises everything that's gone wrong with our society in terms of inequality and disdain for people with mental and physical disabilities, older people, single people, people on benefits. Um, but all sorts, so many different people were affected. Also, just want to acknowledge the one who passed away. And he used to come to backbenches, the TV show, Liam Hawkins. Sadly, he passed, uh, and he, it would have been his birthday yesterday. Uh, kia ora, Sue. Uh, Sue Bradford there. All right, Dean Hall, I've been thinking. Um, I've been thinking about our service people in the NZDF. Uh, so they can't have unions representing them, not like firefighters or police. Um, so I, I feel like a, 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 it's a voice that can be lost. And, and, and regardless of what people think about the NZDF, for me, I always think about the people who are in it. Um, the soldiers don't get to choose what they do. Um, they've got to go pull people out of cyclones and go to even wars that they might not believe in. Um, and so I think it's great that people think of our service people in Aotearoa on Anzac Day. Um, if we cared more about our soldiers while they were actually alive, um, maybe not as many of them would die or get injured. So I just hope, you know, there was a great piece on the spin-off um, about uh, the military having recruitment and retention issues. Um, so, you know, heading into the election season, um, if it's something you're passionate about, think about asking your local MP what they're doing to make sure that our service people are looked after, that they're not getting injured, that they are getting the equipment they need to be able to help us and stuff like that. Because it's just that they don't have a voice. If they wanted to form a union, um, it would be mutiny. So they, they can't have a voice. So we've got to be the voice to look after them, regardless of whether we agree How with How do you hear that voice? Where do you hear it from? Uh, well, I think they have to, you know, they have to talk to the uh, the MPs. It's the MPs who who, who are responsible for looking after what do you the military. Think Oh, well, there are MPs in the past, like Ron Mark, for mm-hmm. example, who, are, who stand up very strongly for soldiers and, and other military in the House. That there are defenders and advocates mm-hmm. of the military. But you, but you're right about the unionisation factor. Mm. It's tough. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for that, Dean. All right, uh, Dean Hall, Sue Bradford with me. Uh, Kia ora, Sue Bradford, for calling out the inappropriate and patronising name of the Wellington accommodation block where five residents died in a fire recently. Um, that really hasn't been brought up so much, has it? So, yeah, got on your Sue for raising that. Uh, you're on the panel. There is a lot to discuss, including our snap poll this afternoon. Really big response. Uh, should we raise the superannuation age to 65? Yes or no? Why or why not? 2101.